Welcome to Digital First Leadership, the podcast that focuses on helping leaders and teams understand how to master the language of social media in today's digital first world. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Richard Bliss, and you're listening to the Digital First Leadership Podcast. Today, my guest is David Meerman Scott. David is the author of The New Rules of Marketing and PR, 8th edition, as well as 11 other books. David, thanks for joining me. Richard, so great to be here. Um, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Well, as am I, because technically you and I have known each, I'm going to put this in air quotes, known each other for eight years as the yes. t- at the time of this recording, yet neither one of us have any idea how that happened eight years ago. And we've really only come to get know each other over this past year. So it's an interesting, I think there's a new need, a need for new dial uh, language in our in our spoken language. How do you know someone? If my daughter is going out on a date and I right. ask her, who are you going out with? Oh, this guy I met. To her, she met her on some social app and that kind right. of counts as, right? So I don't know. That's right. A whole, and, uh, and right. So we met digitally. I don't know if that's a term, but we yeah. all use it. We met digitally. Um, I don't, we don't believe that we've ever met in person, although nope. we could have, who knows? Who knows? Um, but not, not where we, not where it was a memorable meeting yet. We've had, um, I don't know, two dozen um, uh, ways that we've connected yep. where we can see one another through, you know, Zoom or a platform like Zoom. So, yeah, it feels like it doesn't feel any different than if we're next door neighbors or, right. um, uh, or co-workers in the same company. And, and it's super interesting to me. Congratulations. How that works. Yeah. How... Congratulations. You just you're a grandfather, a brand new grandfather, right? We get to yeah. know these personal aspects of our lives, even though we've never spent geographically in the same location at the same time. As as we're recording this, I am a grandfather as of four days ago, which is I'm still processing it. It's super <laughs> fabulous, but I'm still processing it. <laughs> you've got you've got a few years ahead of me in, in grandfatherdom. So I do, but I think I'm gonna catch up here with a wedding coming up and a daughter who's anxious to start uh making babies. I think I'm I'm gonna be with you right there. Let's talk about and, and, and the other thing is is um both of us look, act, feel, and are young. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about your book, because one of the things that is going on here, the book, I'm going to repeat the name, name. It's called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. Now, it's the eighth edition because you wrote the first edition quite a few years ago, right? I was I was writing the first edition in 2005 and 2006, and it came out in the first edition in um, the middle of 2007. That's 15 years ago, which is kind of super crazy. And uh, it was the first book that uh, ever that came out, or at least the first book that got any traction that came out about the new ways to do marketing and public relations on the web. And when it first came out, it was um, a groundbreaking book, I'm happy to say. It, um, it, it was selling so fast that my publisher, Wiley, I mean, couldn't keep it in print. It, I think we went back to like 15 or 20 printings just in the first year. Um, it was six months on the Business Week bestseller list, and it's now used in many hundreds of universities programs. It's um, on the desk of many people in, corp- in the corporate world. It's published in 29 languages from Albanian to Vietnamese. And as you and I both know, the digital marketing and public relations space is constantly evolving. So every two years roughly, it's almost pretty pretty close to the pattern of every two years, I do a new edition. 
And so the new edition, um, May 2022, is, um, is just about to release. As we're recording this, it's just about to release. And it's super exciting to constantly update it to make sure that it's providing the kind of value even today that it did when it first came out 15 years ago. I owned one of those early editions, uh, which is how Thank I you. came into, well, you're welcome. Uh, I was one of millions, obviously, that <laughs> came into contact with you and, and your thoughts on that. And so, and which I think in some ways has inspired me to be where I am in my career today. This podcast exists because of some of that content. Um, here's my question. In today's world, you have released this eighth edition. What are some of the things that you're seeing? Let's compare first edition 15 years ago. Does it... Mm -hmm. Is it even similar or have we transformed so far in society that the concept of introducing why you should be on social media is no longer the discussion that simply how should you be on social media? Has it gotten to that point? Um, well, I, um, my book focuses on more than social media. It's all things digital. So it includes um, things like websites, email newsletters, and so on, but all things digital. And um, I think what's super interesting to me is that the the strategy that I wrote about has not changed in 15 years. The strategy is that the old rules of marketing and public relations were that you could either buy attention through advertising. You know, you, you buy a magazine ad, a radio ad, a TV ad, a billboard by the side of the road. You buy um, an email mailing list. You buy trade show space to display your stuff on the, on the trade show floor. Or you could try to bug uh, members of the media to write or speak about, um, about you. Please, please, please write about my company because we're wonderful. Um, that's sort of traditional public relations. Uh, um, or you could hire a team of salespeople and knock on doors. So those are the three ways you could get noticed. And now, and as of the time that this book came out, there was another option. And that option was to uh, earn attention by publishing great content, whether that's a podcast like we're doing right now, or a great website with fabulous content, or a social media feed, or photographs, or um, YouTube videos, or, or whatever it might be. And because the vast majority of humans, whether they're, whether they're buying on behalf of their company, sort of the B2B marketplace, or buying on behalf of themselves, a B2C marketplace, go to the web at some point when they're making a buying decision. And so being on the web and being focused on it is super important, super interesting. So that's what's not changed since the first edition. Got it. Now what's changed? Let's just, so between the seventh edition and eighth edition, what are we seeing that's changed even in just the last two years? So what I'm constantly doing in each edition is I'm always looking for new examples. My book is very, very, very much example focused. There's 50 or 60 examples in the book. And I'm constantly making sure that the examples that are in the older edition, if they make sense to remain, they stay. Or I look for new examples. And usually there's, there's nearly half of the stories get replaced with new stories. Um, and then I'm always looking for new ways, the new, new rules, I guess, new ways that people can generate attention and new things that people need to think about. So um, there's been a lot of changes. When I, when I wrote the first edition, I was writing in 05 and 06, Twitter didn't exist. Facebook was only for students. 
And the first edition came out in 07 and people reached out and me go, David, I like your book, but hey, you didn't write about Twitter. Don't you know about Twitter? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know about Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but it didn't exist when I was writing it. Um, and so, you know, ser new services come, and come. Um, Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok are all brand new and uh, Clubhouse and others are all new in various editions as I've been writing and some have gone away. Um, uh, so, you know, Google plus was a popular social network, um, a decade ago and Google pulled the plug on Google plus. So I got to make sure that I write out those sorts of things. What I think is one of the most important changes for the eighth edition though, the most recent edition is the rise of the importance of social media algorithms, both for good and for bad. Um, when social media first started, it was not algorithm driven. It was basically reverse chronological order driven, meaning that um, on LinkedIn or on Facebook or, or whatever, you would see the most recent post of the people you follow on the top of your feed. And that's how it worked is you got a fire hose of whatever, however many followers you have, whatever they were putting up. And over the last decade, each of the social networks more or less have um, have relied on algorithms to show you the content that number one, they believe you'll be interested in seeing, but even more importantly, that number two, the ones that will get you to stay on the platform longer. Because when they when you stay on the platform longer, they can sell you more ads. And so that means that the algorithms are tuned to what will make you stay on the, on the platform longer. Unfortunately, what some of the social networks, especially Facebook have learned, is that anger and polarization and even worse conspiracy theories get people to stay on, a, on the Facebook platform longer and they've tuned their algorithms to focus on that. And so I'm really concerned that the algorithms, I believe, are among the most dangerous technologies ever invented, are driving the way that people uh, consume information in such a way that uh, it leads to the events of January 6th. It leads to people questioning the safety of something like vaccines. I mean, there's a number of things that these algorithms are driving. Um, and I see that as, 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 as pretty dangerous. And as we're doing this recording, it's just, um, I think, two days after, one or two days after Elon Musk announced that he's um, um, planning to buy Twitter and that Twitter has accepted his offer. And it hasn't closed yet, of course, but it looks like that's likely to happen. And um, he's looking, I believe, from reading through the details of what he said, that he's still going to have those algorithms driving Twitter when he's the new boss of Twitter. Um, and so I think that's an issue that we, that all um, marketers, executives, anyone involved with digital needs to understand deeply how um, pervasive these algorithms have become in, the, in, in our lives and in the ways that we deliver information to people. Yeah, it certainly is true. And as he makes that purchase, I'm wondering, do you have any insight? How's he going to earn back $44 billion to justify the purchase of a platform that doesn't seem to be able to figure out how to make money? LinkedIn just announced their earnings reports, I think, this morning. Uh, you know, they're up 34, I think 34%, something like that. Uh, Microsoft's announcing that for the quarter. Right. Uh, but they generate 
vast amounts of their revenue, 80% of their revenue comes from non-advertising. It comes from paying customers, corporate accounts, buying sales navigator licenses, buying uh, the, the talent, the LinkedIn recruiter. So their algorithm is geared very differently mm-hmm. than to drive ra- the rage economy or that emotional de- de- divisiveness that you're talking about. Right. No, I think that's true. LinkedIn is an exception in that of the way that it's being used. Um, so um, interestingly, um, exactly the words that you've said is how is he going to generate revenue? This thing is is um, unlikely to generate revenue was said when Musk started Tesla <laughs> and when Musk started um, um, uh, SpaceX. His SpaceX project, and and also with the Boring Company, his other project, right? And so um, it's really interesting that, and those stocks were very low priced in the beginning when when they went public, and have shot up in value as he's proven that he's been able to do something with them. Um, so I don't us underestimate what it is that he is trying to figure out here. Um, I can't predict what he's going to do, but one thing that I'm looking to, which I would actually applaud, is he's trying that is him getting rid of all the bots on Twitter. You know, there's there's millions and millions and millions of of robots that are not associated with an actual person on Twitter that are driving engagement. And I think if he's able to create a system where people pay um, uh, somehow for um, either paying for some kind of registered um, user or um, every tweet you costs you a penny um, or some way that he can drive only real people on Twitter um, that I think that will, number one, help Twitter to be a, a, a place that has less toxicity, but also perhaps a place that can generate more profitability. I would. I completely agree with you. The ability to have a legitimate, in per, almost real time conversation with a wide variety of people. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn, kind of active on Facebook. Uh, my kids think I'm not active enough on Instagram. <laughs> yes, right. But having Twitter, the ability to correspond with people, uh, whether you agree or disagree, in in rapid fire, back and forth. Uh, lightweight, there is a certain value there. I do ask my audience that I speak to of all the social media platforms, which one would you pay for? And other than LinkedIn, the answer is none. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, if I think um, I think what's super interesting to me about Twitter is Twitter is for elites. Uh, It's a small number of users, relatively 200, 200 million. I don't know how many of those are super active, but it's journalists it's politicians, it's corporate executives, it's academics, um, it's- um, The technical uh, it, audience. There's a lot of technical people. There's a lot there. of technical, um, exactly, a lot of technical people. It's, it's, it's athletes, it's um, entertainers. And um, you know anybody at the top of their game, whatever their game is, you know, whether they're an author or a journalist or- um, uh, running for office or um, a government leader um, or a corporate leader. It doesn't matter what, if they're at the top of their game, they have to be on Twitter as far as I can tell, yeah. because that's, that's where people, other people at the top of their game communicate. And so um, from that, for that reason, I think 
should he say um, that an account with a, um, let's say a purple check mark instead of a blue check mark costs, the way that LinkedIn does it costs $150 a year, whatever the number is, um, that I think, I think that people who value, the, value that network uh, in a big way, which is you and me and, and everyone else who's sort of playing at the top of the game, will happily do that. And I think that that a system with 20 or 30 million people who pay and everyone else get, gets kicked off could be a really, really interesting, number one, business model, number two, and very, very interesting place um, for all the people who are currently active to remain. And I mean, if I had as deep as deep as deep pockets as he does, I might I might try going for something like that. Um, I mean, I don't know. You may know the answer to this. Do you know how many people are, are pre premier or premium members of LinkedIn? Do you know those numbers? Don't know those numbers. Um, I think it's a large number. But the biggest people because people recognize. I mean, it's in the millions. Yes. So people people think, oh, I'm, and I think it's like 150 bucks. I might be getting the number wrong, but that's what I seem to remember. And they say. Okay, I'm willing to pay that. I'm willing to pay 150 bucks to be a premier member of LinkedIn because um, LinkedIn is a valuable place for me to communicate. I believe the same thing can be done with Twitter. And so it'll be interesting to see. And you would be somebody who would know as we look at as we look at your book. It's time to go, David. David, you and I could just I feel like talk forever about yes, so we many, could so many <laughs> different things. So the book's coming out. They can find it on Amazon. It again, it's called the New Rules of Marketing and PR. Uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, I have my, some of our network of contacts got pre-copies. Uh -huh. How do you say that? That Amazon leaked out. Amazon, Amazon kind of screwed up. My, my publisher um, had an agreement with Amazon that all the books would uh, be held um, for people who pre-order. And we had hundreds of pre-orders to be released on May 3rd. And... Uh, and I always pre-order one copy of my own books because I want to see when I'm going to get it in the mail. And then some of our friends reached out to me and goes, hey, I just got it. And then sure enough, yep. on my doorstep was a copy. And I contacted my publisher and said, what in the world's going on? I was, this is all, these are all supposed to release on May 3rd. And there was some sort of technical glitch. But anyway, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. The book, nope, some benefited. Uh, the book. Some people benefited. Yeah, they, yeah. They haven't. They have an early copy of the book. Yeah, that which is quite a. And they're all excited because they think it's going to be worth so much. Uh, <laughs> they could sell it for for like one day. It's, uh, it's right a scarce resource. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to get my copy. I appreciate you being on this show. This has been great insights into the way you see in the world and and the things that people need to be paying attention to when it comes to how they're presenting their marketing and PR in the digital world. So thank you for joining me, David. Oh, Richard, it's always a pleasure. And I would be happy to come on again and we can talk more. We can do that. You've been listening to the Digital First Leadership Podcast. My guest has been David Meerman Scott talking about his new book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. You can find it on Amazon. It's available May 3rd. And thank you for listening. And thank you for those who have been reaching out and corresponding with me who appreciate the content and the guests that I've had on the show. I always like hearing from you. Please find me on LinkedIn. And you can also track down David Meerman Scott on LinkedIn as well. Thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to Digital First Leadership, the podcast where you learn to leverage and build your expertise on digital platforms. For more valuable tips on mastering the language of social media, subscribe to our newsletter at blisspointconsult.com. If you'd like to stay in touch, feel free to add Richard on LinkedIn and join the conversation.